you're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Denim Audio Network. Well, hello and welcome everyone back to The Way Home Podcast. I am so glad that you're joining me today. I'm your host, Dan Darling. And I have one of my favorite people who is a guest today. First time on the Way Home Podcast, but one of my favorite people. And I'll tell you about him in just a little bit. But first, I want to let you know, if you haven't heard already, that my new book, Agents of Grace, is out and available wherever books are sold. Agents of Grace, How to Bridge Divides and Love as Jesus Loves, uh, has a foreword by J.D. Greer, former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor at Summit Church, written a number of books. This book that I wrote, Agents of Grace, is maybe my most personal book. I talk about some hardships and trials I've endured and how God has helped me to forgive. I talk about what love looks like, holding on to friendships in a really divisive age. But really mainly the thrust of it is, you know, how should Christians treat each other? Uh, What does the Bible say? You know, Jesus said that we would be known the world would know that we are his by the way we love each other, by the way we treat each other. What does that look like? What does love require? What are the issues worth fighting for? And what are the issues worth being open-handed about? All these things I talk about in my in this book, Agents of Grace. You can get it at my website. It has links to all the places you can buy at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold, independent bookstores. And go to danieldarling.com, danieldarling.com, and you have links to it there. I would love for you to get it. If you like it and you get it, uh, would you write a review on Amazon to just let other people know that it is there? So Agents of Grace. Okay. My guest today is my good friend, Chad Poe. Chad is a pastor in Lake Jackson, Texas, which is right near Houston, right there on the on the Gulf Coast, Grace Bible Church. I have preached for him uh, down there at his church uh, last fall for Christmas. Him and I have collaborated a number of things. Mainly, we do these cohorts together. He does a teaching and preaching cohort to help people really improve in their teaching and preaching. It's really excellent. I've known people have gone through it and have really taken their preaching teaching to the next level. I do a writing cohort with him, and we just finished our first cohort, and we're about to, to do a second one here in the fall. I love this. If you really have an interest in writing and taking to the next level, whether you want to get articles published, if you have a book idea, if you want to think through what all that looks like, I kind of talk through craft, I talk through marketing, I talk through the business of it. I bring on some guests, some authors and agents and publishers and people just to, to figure out what that looks like. That's what I do with Chad. But I want to talk to Chad about a number of things, about uh, speaking, about writing, about pastoring. He's got a brand new book book of hebrews that i think is really excellent so without further ado i'm gonna talk to my good friend chad poe i'd have my good friend chad poe on the podcast chad i think this is the I think this is the first time you've been on my podcast. Is that true? It's the first time this on the podcast, but you and appearance. I talk three and four times a week. So that's where we are with this. We do. We do. We actually should record our conversations as we a We are podcast. living a podcast. I think it would do well. We are a living, breathing podcast that Google Alerts yeah. is making notes of regularly. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. There's so many things to talk about. 
I want to I want to discuss the NBA playoffs. Yes. I want to discuss your new book on Esther, series of devotionals on Esther. I want to discuss our writing cohort that we do together, but also your teaching and preaching cohort that you do. So, anyways, let's first talk about Esther. So, give me give me an idea of what inspired you to to do the series of devotionals. I've always loved the Bible. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you get into pastoring. You have a really an affection for the Bible, a love for what Scripture says. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. So be bad if you didn't. And and the more and more I read, I just realized that like one, I work with teenagers a lot. I work with my church as well. And I realized that uh, a lot of folks connect the scriptures through the devotions, but a lot of devotions aren't really taking us through books of the Bible to help us to see, okay, there's a continuous story here. So last year, my friends at YM360, they're, they're a youth ministry publishing company, but this is for whoever wants to use it. They uh, asked w- about these devotions, and we went through the book of Hebrews. And in a month, four weeks actually, I walk you through the major themes of the book of Hebrews. Well, this year, I'm releasing Esther, and we're looking at the life of a believer in light of what we see from the teachings in the book of Esther and, and how we see Jesus in that. So... My goal, as I continue to write these, is to have a really a, a commentary that you can look at in a month and say, okay, I've worked through the scriptures, I've thought about what it means, and I see what this means for me as someone who's seeking to follow Jesus in this world. So, pretty pumped about it. It releases in the middle of May, and hopefully you will buy one million copies. I hope people buy a million copies. Let me ask you this. When you were writing this series of devotions on Esther. Did you think God has prepared me for this moment to write this for such a time as this? Who better, Dan, to write a devotion on a a woman who is in captivity in the Old Testament than me? You know, I, why, why not me? Exactly. Why, why not me for this moment? So, yeah. I, as I dove into the story. Exactly. You also do a really popular cohort for ministry leaders on teaching and speaking. Talk a little bit about your love for preaching and and teaching the Bible and why you just really enjoy mentoring and coaching other people and, and how people can sign up for your cohort, by the way. Well, a couple of years ago, I had the realization that numerous pastors had asked me to give them feedback on messages they would hear me preach at a camp or a conference or or whatever and they would say hey i I preach i'd love for you to give me some some feedback on this and i had no idea as to how to do it but the more i had that question asked of me the more i realized it was a need so i just worked it out i put together a team of people began to process the the intricacies of really having a a business model that served ministers. For me, it was looking and saying, preaching and teaching is hard. Opening the scriptures and saying to your people, this is the word of the Lord, or this is what God says. It can be difficult at times. And I noticed over and over that we can lose the central idea of what's there as we're talking. And I wanted to help people find that. And I wanted to help people find their voice. The, the goal of a three-line cohort is to help you efficiently and effectively tell the story of Jesus. And everything that I do, I'm pushing people to that intentional 
I did. How am I telling the story of Jesus through what I do? So uh, over the last two years, I've had four cohorts. My first group of guys was, was six. I had 11 the second session. I had 18 in session three, and I have 19 this session. And it's anyone who's getting a chance to teach the Bible, pastors, youth pastors, children's ministers, Bible communicators, women's Bible study teachers, whatever denomination you come from, I have this a medley of people, and I'm helping them to identify what does the Scripture say to us? How do I show Jesus from this text? How do I reveal the goodness of Jesus when I look at this? And how do I do this in the most efficient, effective way possible? Because that, that gets missed sometimes in the busyness of our days. If you're a pastor, you're going to nursing homes at times. You're, you're visiting hospitals. If you're a youth pastor, you're planning everything. How do I streamline my process so that I am able to develop really impactful messages, but more than that, influential messages? Andy Crouch recently said he was talking about the difference in impact and influence. And impact is is brief, but it's large. And influence is long standing, though it may not seem. It's a, it seems to have a smaller uh, connection point. The notion of influence matters to me. The notion of being able to mentor guys who want to teach the Bible and who want to minister well and who want to stay in this. Pastoring's hard. Serving as a minister is difficult. And if we don't have people who are pouring into us, we, we do see burnout and we see a disconnect from the calling that God gives us. Because as we've talked about multiple times in those conversations that should be recorded, if you're just doing this to make money, you could go sell houses, figure out how to do that. But it's such a unique calling that God has given us. And having someone, knowing someone is in your corner for this matters. Mm. That's really, that's really true. And I think, you know, every pastor, every we should just focus on pastors. Like anybody that teaches the Bible uh, wants to get better at it, right? And what I, what I love about your cohort is like whether someone has been doing it for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, and just wants to have someone kind of peer in and say, hey, how could I improve the craft of, of teaching and preaching? Or someone's just getting started. I think of a lot of folks who are in ministries who are lay leaders who, you know, their pastor tapped them on the shoulder and said, hey, I'd like you to lead this small group or I'd like you to lead this student ministry or whatever. And they're like, how do I teach the Bible? I've never done this before. Really, really good uh, instruction there. When you're, when you're talking to and mentoring Bible teachers, what are some common mistakes you think people people do when they go to teach the Bible? Just things that you see often that uh, are common mistakes when, when people teach the Bible. I find that we, because one, I find that we do a pretty poor parrot impression of whoever our favorite Bible teacher is. So if your favorite guy is a pastor in the Houston area and you've watched his message your entire life and the only thing that you know about preaching or Bible teaching is what you've seen him do and what you've seen your pastor do you try to do an impression of that person so what takes place is you don't realize the no, the amount of seasoning that came for this person to get to the place where he happens to be so you think you should be able to do that and, and you can't so you're trying to be clever 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 and you miss clear lines in message preparation and you miss the notion of clarity. 
I, I always push my guys and girls, like, I want you to lean into this. I want you to be clear rather than clever. If they walk away and they know what you were talking about, that's a major win for your congregation moving forward. It may that you may not have the funniest story or the most uh, memorable visual, but if you can be clear in your message where they know they sewed that message together with this central idea, Shaddix has written about it, D.A. Carson has written about it, the notion of a central idea of the passage and the central idea of your message. I push guys and girls to realize the importance of when you're teaching the Bible in any way, shape, or form, have a central idea of the message. And, sh- and show your listener, this is what the message, this is the point of the message. This is the goal of what's taking place here so that you can move them in a direction. Another thing I see is il- illustrations. With mm-hmm. illustrations, far too often people are using illustrations to get the attention of their listener when in actuality illustrations should be used, used to give direction. When we're talking about attention, what we're mm. saying subconsciously to our listener, if we believe we have to regather our people because they're so bored with our message, well, we're saying they're bored with the Bible. Well, the Bible's not boring. We don't. The scriptures aren't mm. boring. The, the way that we present them can be at times, but it's not a bore. This is God breathed. It's what we believe as people who read through the scriptures. God breathed this to us. Learning to use your illustrations to move your message along and give direction, that's something that some folks miss because they think, oh, man, I've lost this group of teenagers. I've lost this group of college students. I've lost this group of senior adults. I've lost this women's Bible. Say, let me tell a story to regather and move them. Well, that's not the point. The point's not for you to have their attention because the Bible was boring. The point is for you to show them how the Bible is progressing in the way that it tells us the story that's there. Those are two of the big things I noticed. That's really I noticed good. about a hundred other things too. I think that's, that's really helpful because I think sometimes it's like, I, I just have to find illustrations or I have to find just for this. I need to have illustrations for the sake of illustrations. And, you know, sometimes we're relying more on that than actually the text of scripture, you know, to, to, uh, to teach. No, the text you know? should keep us, we should be grounded in the text in a way that keeps us like we should soundly know yeah. this passage the lord has this in his word for a reason how do i hold jesus up as i cling to this passage mm. no that's so that's so true i remember when i first started preaching you know when i was like in my mid 20s and when I had my first church and I, I, I remember it took me about six months to get sort of my legs under me and be like, okay, this is my voice. And your point about finding your own voice is so true. Cause I think today we can listen to so many people. We could listen to podcasts. We can watch, you know, sermon videos. If we're not careful, we'll start sounding like our favorite teachers. I actually had to switch up who I listened to every so often, just so I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be uh, mimic- mimicking them. But when you really start to feel comfortable in your own skin, teaching the word, let the spirit work through you. It's really freeing. Yeah, and uh, I, I think uh, for I'm me, Dan, encourage folks. That way. I think for us, when we talk about preaching and teaching, some of the stuff that we can forget is we can forget that really God has us in front of whoever we have for a, for a purpose and a reason. 
And one of the things that I notice mm-hmm. with my folks is they come to me and they want to be part of a cohort because the only feedback they ever get is, oh, preacher, that was good, or they get a mean email. We tell you something's good in person, and we send an email to you <laughs> when we don't like something. But the feedback is never because, – because people don't know. They don't know what you're dealing with. Most of the time, they don't know what you're going through. They don't know what it's like to prepare a message. They just know what's good and what's bad. And for me, I developed the whole concept of Throughline Cohort – based around the idea of I'm going to do sit-down evaluations, not just from me, but from numerous people that, that work with me. We're going to evaluate your message looking for certain things, like how long did you talk? How long did it take you to talk about Jesus? How long did it take you to get to the Scripture? Why did Jesus matter to this text? These are the things that I evaluate a message based upon. Did Jesus matter to the text? If Jesus doesn't matter to the text that you teach, that's, a, that's bad. So... Being able to walk a person through, these are the things that were there and these are the things that weren't there, that's a hard process because most of us don't listen to ourselves preach. Do you listen to yourself? Yeah. You know, I've just gotten to the point where I can I can actually watch or hear myself and not totally cringe, you know? Um, but man, I tr- it, it's weird to see yourself. I'm a crazy person. And it's sometimes good to have. I, I listen to myself preach every week. Because I want to see, do I have any hurdles in that message that are that may stand out if I allow them to grow if I allow them to grow stagnant, do I have a word that I use over and over that someone in the room is making a mark every time they hear me say that word? I listen every Sunday to my message to make sure that I was intentional and impactful with that's not a bad practice Uh, it's crazy person practice it's not a bad practice i think it's yeah you also speak quite a bit around around the country and you you know you're kind of in demand that way and i think that's you know you have a lot to a lot of insight to add for for folks who want to do your cohort so tell us how people can sign up for your cohort awesome if you go to throughlinecohort.com there is a place for you to to register and for you to let us know how do you feel that you are as a communicator right now. There is a, a place for you to uh, let me know. I, I ask, there's a form that you'll get and you fill it out. Uh, also, man, you talk mm-hmm. about my cohort. You, you've got one for me that I love where you work yes. with a group of writers. And I know lots of your listeners are writers. Yeah. I've watched you work with these guys over the semester and pour energy into them. And it's been pretty awesome. Well, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, and it's very similar to what you're doing where we're trying to help writers improve their craft. So wherever you are in the writing process, you know, we have some who are in the middle of writing a book. They have a book contract. We have some who've, who have an idea for a book, but don't even know how to get from A to B. We have some that just want to start getting published and getting published in different places. We have some that want to write for and, their church. You know, articles and they want to write for their church. They want to write articles. They want to write, do all that stuff. So we talk a lot about the craft of writing. We talk about how to structure your writing, how to structure your time. But we also talk about the business of writing and, and, and behind the scenes of like how to get published and how to pitch articles, how to pitch books, maybe talk to editors and agents. We have guests on here too, you know, that can really shed light. People who are published authors and people in the, in the industry, editors. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. And again, you go to Throughline Cohort 
com and, and sign up for that. We'll have links to that in all the show notes, but it's been really fun. There are uh, cohorts that are starting underneath uh, that are part of what we do for people who want to focus on discipleship in their ministry, for girls ministry. There are a couple of just different options that are, that are popping up, and I want to make sure that we Again, the the thing that ties it all together is we want you to tell the story of Jesus efficiently and effectively. As a believer, you're telling the story of Christ. Are you telling it well? As a writer, you're telling the story of Jesus. Are you telling it well? As a preacher, as a Bible teacher, as someone seeking to mentor and model discipleship practices, all of these things, I want you to efficiently, effectively tell the story of Jesus for long-term influence. Yeah, absolutely. That that's absolutely our goal, and we have a a world that's hungry out there to hear the good news of the gospel. So, however you communicate, we have cohort for you to help coach you along in that way. Okay, let's talk before we close. Let's talk about the NBA. I love the NBA. Same, and the playoffs right now are amazing. And I, I'm not sure when this will post. Probably in a week or so. But right now, I'm watching all the playoffs and just watch Steph Curry, you know, get 50 points, eviscerate uh, the Kings. Against- yeah, and the Kings Warriors series was it awesome. Was the Kings are a good team. They're a young team, but man, like one thing I love about the NBA, that if you're a young upstart, they do not let you win right away. You have to go through and take your lumps and lose. And like the old wily old veterans usually win out. It's pretty cool, huh? One of the podcasts I listen to, they they call Steph Curry the baby-faced assassin. I mean, he still looks 11. Yes. He does. And and then you're watching LeBron. The way that his game has evolved yeah. and the way that you know he used yeah. to be the most physically imposing person on the court, and he's still probably one of the top 10% of physically most imposing people in basketball. He's 38 yeah. years old. And then you've got these other guys uh, yeah. watching the Denver Nuggets play right now and seeing the way that Jokic mm. passes the ball. I love watching them play. It, ball movement. It's unbelievable. Control. Yeah. It's amazing. So I stayed up last night and wa- just so I could watch Jokic play. And what I love about like their game and, and the Warriors is just the symmetry and the beautiful movement of the ball and the unit and the sort of the unity of that team. And, you know, people think of Steph Curry as the guy who shoots three. So that's true. What they don't th- realize is he moves constantly without the ball. He's such a team player. It, it's really remarkable. And What's cool is how these guys get better at their craft, even as they're they're maybe less a little bit less athletic, maybe they get smarter about the game and how they just master the game. It's pretty cool. Have you seen there's a statistic that Steph Curry runs between three and four miles every single basketball game? I saw that. I read a story where an NBA player trained with him in the offseason said, Hey, I want to train with Steph because I want to learn how to shoot. And they thought they would just go in the gym and start shooting. What they didn't realize is Steph's like, okay, we're running sprints. So they like run baseline to baseline. And then they would just like, he would wear himself out and then he would start shooting. And like the physical shape he's in, the dedication to his craft. It's, his heart it's rate, pretty, his heart I think rate what never we're watching really lifts is, above like 88 or something ridiculous. It's wild. Mine's at that right now on this podcast. The dedication to craft. Yes. Oh, of course. The, the peak performance. The dedication to craft of these guys is just really awesome. And uh, so anyways, I, I wanted to get some NBA talking. So as of right now, we're May 2nd when we're recording this. In your gut, who do you think goes to the finals and who do you think wins? 
right now, I think the Nuggets get to the finals in the West. And and in the East, I think you're going to get – in the East, I think you get Philadelphia at this point. You know, th- w- last night, the Sixers played without their best player. I couldn't believe it. And James Harden. And they won. Who is not their best player anymore. He's, again, he's an older guy. He's 35, which is young in preacher years. But – James Harden scored 45 points and it was unbelievable. So they've got a, they're going to, I think they'll beat the Celtics in six at this point. So I think you're going to end up with a finals of Nuggets and Sixers, which would be fantastic because you've got the, the two guys who fought for the MVP all season long in the finals, which just makes for really good basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think I agree with you. I could also see the Celtics coming back, but man, losing at home to Philly without Embiid is, is it's weird to when I watch the Celtics, like I'm waiting for that sense of urgency and I'm not seeing it. So I don't know what's up. With Do that. we need to start up a sports podcast? The other remark, we should start a sports podcast. I think we really that should. We didn't even talk about Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. We didn't even talk to Jimmy Butler. I was about to say the scariest thing is Play Jimmy Butler Phoenix. could upend all of this. Yes, playoff Jimmy. The, the Miami Heat. Just insane right now. Bill Simmons calls him the zombie Heat. The zombie Heat could get to the finals and yeah. you'd be like, they don't have anybody who's in the top 10 players in the league. No. But it's Jimmy Butler and four church deacons, I think. Yes, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and somehow they're winning. I love it. He's so unbelievably good and focused. It's it, In the regular season, he's not... I guess he goes through the motions uh, yeah. or whatever, but but now he's so laser focused, and it's on. Yeah, it's amazing. So I love it. But I think we got yeah. six. Well, anyways, okay, yeah, I could. That would be an awesome like center matchup. Two centers going at it, old school. I love it. Well, Chad Poe, thanks for joining me today. Want folks to check out Throughline Podcast. Want folks to check out your books, your devotional books on Esther and on Hebrews. And thankful for you, man. And uh, we'll keep talking. If I can help you in any way, I love that. And then I'll, I'll give you all the links for cohort and stuff. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. Thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. Podcast.